a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. And the problem that God has with that is that he didn't command it or institute it. He, he, he only wants images that he commands and institutes to be made. And when he makes himself, when, it, when the scripture says that Jesus is the very image of God, then he has made an image of himself for us, Jesus. And if we were to not have pictures of Jesus, then we would be breaking the second commandment. But now all this rests upon this moment and that you must do the right thing in order to reap the benefits of this. If you're going to be forgiven, if you're going to be atoned for, if you're going to get the imputed righteousness of God, you must then do this. And and this is what's so terrible about what we call decision theology is that it, it takes everything away of the gospel and puts it all back on the law. I mean, this is a stop the press sort of thing to see God, you know? Wow! That's amazing! Stop the song! Tell us about that! That's great! That's right, ladies and gentlemen, the praise song cruncher in store for this edition of Table Talk Radio, which means there's a high risk of Pastor Wolfman there flying off the handle. <laughs> yep, that's right. I used to have a hatchet when I was a kid, you know, and uh, had that same sort of problem. <laughs> I'd go chop I'm the still, praise song. We're still waiting for that footage of your childhood to come in. Um, for for all of our entertainment <laughs> pleasure. Haven't you been over to see my parents and say, "Hey, show me some kids of when Brian was pictures when Brian was a kid." Yeah, I, I think I think little they're bugger I talking was talking about uh, those. You know, real. We're looking for a reel to reel projector uh, so that we can we can look at some of this stuff. Um, but I'm I'm really looking forward nice. to the edition where you try to lift yourself off the ground because you think you're strong enough. <laughs> That's gonna be my favorite. That, That's gnosticism. That or, you, or wasn't trying that... to to jump to get a hit start on the rapture. I'm not really sure which one of those I'm more excited about. Yeah, all of them have uh, have something to do with floating through the air. <laughs> Brian's on the top of the house, the cape. He's getting ready to jump. His mom goes, "No, Brian, don't. You can't do it." You should. What I really, you know, what would impress you is some of these cliff jumps that we did touring around Australia, where you know the. I mean, you got, we had, what, 35 kids wandering across the bush in Australia with no electricity. You know, the only things we had to entertain ourselves with was fire and rocks. And so <laughs> the fires kept getting bigger, and so did the rocks we were jumping off of until finally we're, we're jumping off this 90-foot cliff. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, right. I would not let myself do that now. <laughs> you, oh, you don't believe me, do you? Uh... I'll send you some pictures. Do it. I do have video of one cliff jump. All right. I want to see it. We'll put it on the Table Talk right. Radio website. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you I'll tell you why we can't do that off the air. <laughs> okay. All right, fair enough. Why this particular cliff jump was uh was everyone's it was a highlight. Now, uh there was this time, by the way, I I'll tell a story. There was this time that we were jumping off a cliff at night and we set a fire on the side have I told you this? We set a fire on the on the kind of rock ledge where we were and the and the it was probably about a thirty five foot drop over the edge down into the water. And uh, and and it was the craziest thing. We'd been jumping off this cliff all day, but now it's night, and you're standing there in the in the in the light of this fire burning. But you jump, and it you jump into pitch darkness, and you don't know which way's up 
or which way's down, and you and you you hold your breath, thinking you're going to hit the water, and then you don't, and you just think you're falling into blackness. And I think that right there, dear listener, is a pretty good analogy for listening to Table Talk Radio. <laughs> well, let's get to it before the God Whispers get to more content. <laughs> Uh, so let's start off with some buzzwords. My theological buzzword for you is resurrection. Oh, nice. uh, the resurrection is uh, Christ rising from the dead. And so by his resurrection, St. Paul says uh, in, in Romans chapter 6, uh, don't you know that we who are baptized, baptized into Christ will also rise from the dead? Uh, so, And this is that wonderful passage. Like you can say baptismed. Those who are baptismed into Christ. I can. I like that. Oh, thanks, yeah, thanks, sure. th- thanks for your permission. Um, oh, you're welcome. Uh, this is the the beautiful text that's that's uh, spoken at the uh, the funeral the funeral service. I mean this this is our this is our wonderful hope um, when we're mourning the loss of of, of someone we love uh, who has died in the faith because um, uh, because they are baptized into Christ's death so they will rise again from the dead just as Christ uh, rose from the dead Easter Sunday. So um, this is our our glorious hope and our and our, our true comfort in the in times of of, uh, of mourning and grief. Yeah. Now the other thing that's important about the resurrection is that uh, there's people that have been raised from the dead, but they die again. When the resurrection though only belongs now to Jesus, and then in the end will belong to everyone. And that is that uh, there's a complete taking away of all sin. So when we die, our soul is completely purged of the effects of sin. When we're resurrected, our bodies themselves are completely purged from the resurrection, from the, any effects of sin, uh, from sin itself, from tears, sorrow, suffering. Uh, the, uh, the, the diability which marks our uh, sinful bodies now, diability, do you know what that means? Nope. The ability to die. <laughs> diability. Diability. Get it? Got it. So I, I suppose that's the answer. I was watching a, a debate with... Uh, uh, Christopher Hitchens and yep. I should say the late Christopher Hitchens and um, uh, William William Lane Craig. Do you know that guy? No. He's he's a I'm he's a pretty fascinating guy. We would have some theological oh. quibbles with him, but he as an apologist, he's he's a interesting guy. Anyway, uh, Hitchens was saying that um, uh, the resurrection of Christ doesn't necessarily um, prove uh, uh, prove his um, his his divine nature. Because um, other people have been raised from it, but I suppose what you just said is the separation then—that um, yep. Christ is the only one to to be risen from the dead and not die again. And you see, you see then the kind of different attitude that Jesus has in all the resurrections accounts, where it's this kind of playfulness. He's now he's beyond the reach of death and the grave. Hmm. He's no longer diable. <laughs> Maybe I should make that my buzzword. Okay, go for Diability. it. Diability. But no, I got a different one for you. Ready? Ready. Institution. <laughs> Why does the word institution make you giggle? Just because. Because, we're, we're, you know, this uh, this word will have to come up when we finally get around to playing our game, uh, how, how big a missionalist are you? <laughs> right. But we, we're not going to play that for another month anyways, because we're recording three shows in a row today. Ugh. So we don't have time to get to anything actually creative or good. But anyway, institution, <laughs> the definition of institution is something that has been instituted. <laughs> so, you mean something like the church? Yeah, like the church, for example. <laughs> That's an institution. I was wondering. And the sacraments, which are instituted, the, the, the sacraments are an institution. The clergy persons 
are inst- that's an institution, the office of preaching, and um and also the family is an institution, and the state is an institution. We in our age of hating anything that's instituted, we need to simply have some sort of reasonable sense about this. Everyone saw the church isn't an institution. What is it? A movement. We should look. If you want to have a movement, dear friends, have them in private, please, because the church is instituted by Jesus, and it's established. It's something that stays. There's a, everyone, oh, it's like, oh, man, this ground is too solid. I wish it was more wavy. You know what wavy ground is called? An earthquake. You do not want that. You want something secure and solid, something instituted, something immovable. Like I was the church. I was thinking about this because um, usually the, the uh, our, our our brothers and sisters who advocate for uh, saying that the church is a movement rather than an institution um, do so at this at this missionalist uh, agenda. I guess we what would you say a missionalist uh, desire? It would be hard yeah, to do that. Yeah. Um, uh, however, they, they they most of most of our brothers and sisters that that um, that are advocating for this are also. Um, you know, great advocates for the uh, institution of marriage. So I wonder if you're gonna if you're gonna say that the church is not is a movement rather than an institution, would you also say that marriage is an institution? Um, and I and I don't think that they would say that. No, no, no. Marriage is an institution, but the church isn't. Uh, in other words, marriage was instituted by Christ, but the church. Oh wait. Uh, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's really kind of crazy. I mean, I don't know why we despise institutions. Jesus apparently doesn't. He, in fact, goes around instituting things. So anyway, well, don't you think though? I mean, I'm just tired you, of this. The church is not an institution. You know why we do this? You know why, why? we do this? It's our simple flesh. It's our rebelling against the fourth commandment because there is an authority that comes along with an institution. So when, some, when something's been instituted, um, uh, there is an authority. Now, this authority in the church is, is uh, given so that we would have the comfort of the forgiveness of our sins. So that the pastor stands before you and says, um, as a ordained servant of the word, I announce that, um, but, but I, I forgive you all your sins as a ordained servant of the word. Uh, so that's the authority. Um, but, but when we think of institution, we think of, um, you know, uh, the oppressive, uh, I don't know, the oppressive state or something like that, 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 uh, we're gonna stick it to the man or something like that. But that's, you see how that's opposite of institution. I mean, the, 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 the Nazis, they did not say that they were an institution. You know what the Nazis said? We're a movement. We're the <laughs> National Socialist Movement. <laughs> I'm serious. So movement is the move. You got it right, though, because you're moving from authority to power. And now if we're in a movement, then everyone's got to get in line and got to do what we're they got to, you know, they got to get in line with the movement. And if you're not in line with the movement, then you got to be thrown out like this. Uh, and so, so we gotta. And so you're looking for the in the church. So you're looking for the move of the spirit. Where's the spirit moving? What? Where I want to know where the spirit is staying, not where he's moving. Mm-hmm. Oh, stuff drives me crazy. This is interesting that this movement from authority to power. Oh, we have to go to a commercial break. Um, well, we we can talk about this some other time because we have an yep. email we haven't even gotten to yet, huh? Oh man, yep. Okay. Well, if we're right. if we have time, <laughs> we're gonna do some contemporary or traditional, and then some praise song crunching after this. If you have a song that you think needs to be crunched, give us a call one eight hundred three eight five SOLA one eight hundred three eight five seven six. Five two or email it to us. Questions at tabletalkradio.org. We'll be right back. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Everything gonna be alright. 
there is more rejoicing in Colorado and Oregon over the addition of one Table Talk Radio listener than the 99,000 listening to Issues Etc. And we're back on Table Talk Radio. For the sake of our listeners... For the sake of our listeners, we ought to listen to that whole song. <laughs> I was going to say, for the sake of our listeners, we decided not to do contemporary or traditional. Um, we're, we're skipping segments oh, on yeah. Table Talk Radio. On the fly, you're, segment change, because we took too welcome. much time to get to the point. <laughs> uh, I did have a little um, a little rage against the machine there on this word institution, and we brought up this distinction between authority and power, eh? Now, what is that distinction? You have the Greek... Exousia is uh, power, right? No, no. Dunamis yeah. is power. Exousia oh, yeah, yeah. is right. authority. And uh, but here, here's how I think we can and 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 it's it's important to make that distinction. It, they marvel that Jesus has authority to forgive sins. Now, the, the the power is something that's essential to us. Authority is something that's given to us. So, um, if if some dude wants to stop me from walking down the street, there's basically two ways he can do it: power or authority. Now, the power would be that he's some sort of a huge guy, you know, with so, light, like I mean, so this isn't Pastor like Wolf Miller. You're not walking down the street and seeing Pastor. Ooh, he has such power. Uh, you, right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah, Evan would be like, I'm walking down the street and and, and then maybe Evan's there at the tank top, you know? Yeah. Whoa, right. And yeah. he says, "Stop!" Uh-huh. And I'm gonna stop, you know. Uh-huh. Otherwise, it's it's trouble for me. Right? right. Or maybe he has a stick or baseball bat. That's power. The other way is that maybe he could be the small kind of eighty pound weakling. But he has a badge on, and he says, stop, and I stop. Not because he has power, but because he has authority, see? Bar- Barney Fife, then, is the great picture of authority. I mean, he's, he, he doesn't have any power, but he has authority. Doesn't he, he has have, the doesn't he have his gun loaded. <laughs> right, he's, but he's been deputized, see? So he has authority. This is in the church, and uh, so authority and institution go with one another. Vocation and uh, and authority and institution, they all go together. So that when... When when you, uh, Evan, stand up there and say to the congregation there at Faith and Rogue River, uh, I uh, forgive you your sins, it's not because you have the power to forgive sins, but because you have the authority to forgive sins, because Jesus has given that to you. See, that's the big difference. Now, movement is all about power. Institution is all about authority. And that little distinction there is uh, is just fantastically important. Oh, I want you to press that a little bit more. Can I, can I make you do that? Because mm-hmm. I want to know how um, the missionalist uses power for the sake of reaching souls for the lost. Well, uh, it's an interesting thing because I, I think that uh, as power is taken up into uh, uh, mysticism, you get a hmm. you, you get a really uh, kind of interesting twist, and we might even start to see it, but. Uh, but you you become swept away into the in the movement in the move of this in the move of the spirit and this sort of thing, and now really your life uh, be, you, everything is is um, everything is taken up under the rubric of the mission. So so here's where the power is exerted. Some, you're doing something, and remember how one of the marks of the missionalist is that every good work has to do with how it serves the mission. Mm-hmm. Are you being missional? 
are you doing evangelism, etc., etc.? That's the only question it could it can ask, and that's one of the marks of power now. Is that now I'm I've become a servant to the mission. In fact, we had was this on the phone or when we were recording? I can't distinguish these things. How how even that's God dangerous. himself becomes a servant to the mission. So uh, that was when we were playing missional tweeter theology. Remember that? Mm-hmm. God himself becomes a servant to the mission. So the thing that matters is the mission. And now we have to say, how is God serving his own mission? You see? I mean, so everything is now put under this. And if you're not in the mission, you, you see what happens. If you're not serving the mission, then you basically have no value at all. I mean, it's just incredible. We really need to stop using those liners on the phone. That might help uh, just distinguish whether we're on the radio or on the phone. Yeah, your ringtone. Uh, many people rejoice you, in Colorado. You, you've Oregon. been talking to Evan Kigline. <laughs> oh, yeah, that sounds great. Well, with my, with my ringtone, I should, you should send me the Iron Preacher bump, and I could use that for my ringtone. All right, let's get to this email from Mike, shall we? Have it right here. Mike says, Mike from Table Talk. Wait, Mike from Colorado. Dear Table Talk, thanks so much for what you guys do. My sons and I regularly listen to the show in the car, and it's not only educational, provides a spark for many theological discussions, one that I'm fairly certain would not have occurred otherwise. I have a question for you. I don't know if you've covered this topic or not, but while listening to Lumpy's investigation into whether the Methodists have Jesus' body and blood in communion, my son Logan asked if baptism is efficacious for those who don't recognize baptism as a means of grace. Cha-ching! So you get the question? I know that what the, I know what the Lutheran answer is, but I'll allow you to explain. I and myself, I'm curious as to why the same logic would not apply for the Lord's Supper, specifically in addressing the question of whether the Lord's Supper is efficacious for those who don't recognize it as a means of grace. Okay, we Mike. should we should start out by saying um, uh, that it's not the necessarily the individual's view of whether the sacrament is efficacious or not that makes a sacrament or not. Uh, what makes a sacrament is the very word of God. So what we need to also distinguish is it's when we talk about the word of God, we're not talking about the just the words being spoken or the the vocables you know being being uh, pronounced, um, but rather that there's there's meaning behind those words. Uh, so when the meth, even though the Methodists very well might say, uh, read the very text of, of God's word and say this is my body, this is my blood, uh, what they mean by that, um, according to their own the- theology, what they would confess when they about that, what, what they're saying, is that this represents my body. Even though they're saying the exact words of Christ, what they're meaning by saying those words is uh, this represents or this um, uh, symbolizes. Now, uh, when we go to then to the the sacrament of holy baptism, even though say the Methodists doesn't believe in baptismal regeneration, that, that baptism is efficacious. Um, they're still speaking the words of holy baptism, and the words of holy baptism are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So those words, and they mean the same thing that we do when we say Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So parallel this, then, to how the Mormon baptizes. See, the Mormon baptizes also in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit using those vocable words. Actually, probably say Holy Ghost. Uh, using those those vocable words... But what is meant by that when the Mormon says it is something entirely different than what we uh, than than what we do. So we would say then a Mormon a Mormon baptism um, is not a valid baptism in because uh, it was not made in the name of the Triune God. How is that explanation? Yeah, good, good. Uh, let me see if I can boil it down to the 
to the nuts and bolts of it. So the efficacy of the sacrament is based on the on the words confessed in their truth. But the words that uh, confess the truth of the Lord's Supper are words about the Lord's Supper. So if you deny the words of the Lord's Supper, you don't have the Supper in its efficacy. Baptism, on the other hand, the efficacy of baptism is built on the on the words of the Holy Trinity. So that if you don't have the Holy Trinity, you don't have baptism. But if you do have the confession of the Trinity, you do have baptism, even though you get the doctrine of baptism wrong. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know if that was simpler, but I think, but it's a. This is a very incredibly interesting question. So what it means is that we can disagree without people about people um, on the on the teaching of baptism. But we still say that they have baptism because the efficacy of baptism is built on the confession of the Lord's name. On the other hand, we disagree about people on the Lord's Supper, but what that means is they don't have the Lord's Supper because they reject the very words that create the the efficacy of the Supper. Yes. Very good. Wow, we nailed that. All right, well, we have uh, two minutes before this commercial break. Do you want to do a quick round of uh, contemporary or traditional? Oh, yeah, sure. Unless you have another email sitting there. Nope. Okay. I'm looking for a hymn with the word institution in it. Okay, you keep... Oh, what's my buzzword? Oh, I got it here. Hmm. Okay, I have one here for you. Ready? I'm ready. The day of resurrection, earth tell it out abroad, the Passover of gladness, the Passover of God, from death to life eternal, from sin's dominion free, our Christ has brought us over with hymns of victory. Let hearts be purged of evil that we may see aright. The Lord is the Lord in rays eternal of resurrection light. And listening to his accents may hear so cla- so calm and plain. Uh, his own all hail and hearing may raise the victor strain. That's great. A hymn of the resurrection. That's a hymn of Easter. Okay. That's my buzzword. I'll by give the you way. 200 points for that. Uh, I'm going to say, now the way this game works, contemporary or traditional, we've got to figure out oh, if the hymn is contemporary or traditional. <laughs> and uh, the mark is uh, if it was written before or after the year 1750. So I think this hymn, da, 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 the tune, I think you've tried to trick me. The tune sounds kind of perky. I think the tune is contemporary, probably written in 1800 or something. But I think the words are older. I think this is a traditional hymn. That is correct. This was written by John of Damascus uh, sometime <laughs> in the uh, 8th century. Yeah. What about the tune? Do you have the date for the tune there? Um, it, yes, that was all, that, that's true. It's contemporary. It's um, written sometime after 1813 because that's when the guy was born. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you now are you going to give me extra super points for that that i was able to distinguish between the words and the tune all right if you can tell me what gave it away i'll give you extra points uh the tune was just kind of perky well, so hum I the tune for us I, I don't even know da, 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 da. the day of resurrection tell it out abroad the passover of gladness the passover of dawn okay da, 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 da. All right. Please stop. Please. I'm begging you. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll give you 300 points for identifying uh, contemporary traditional on the on the stanzas and 100 points for identifying contemporary traditional on the tune, bringing you to a total of 500 with your buzzword. So 
We'll hit the, this commercial break and play Praise Song Cruncher. After this, you're listening to Table Talk Radio. decisions you've made today. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio. It is time for everyone's favorite praise song cruncher. Song cruncher. That's oh, right. Sorry, That's I thought you were pausing so I would come in, but it was a dramatic pause. Sorry. Try again. Try again. <laughs> it's time for everyone's favorite praise song cruncher. Oh, oh, sorry. Uh, That's okay. Try again. Try again. Let's try forget again. this. <laughs> Scrap this. Okay. So this is uh, this is this is your little. Uh, uh, how do you what do you call this? Uh, I would call it your cash Praise cow, but it doesn't it doesn't produce any cash. Your popularity <laughs> Listener cow. cow. This is your Angst popularity cow. cow. <laughs> Angst cow. Jerk cow. You can uh, check this out at tabletalkradio.org. It's actually right there on the homepage. We really need to figure yeah. out something else, but on the homepage. I know. <laughs> A picture of you with your shirt off. That's what we were just talking about last segment. Remember when we were talking about power. I know, the but picture of power. If you just take a picture then, of your bicep and post it, please. Then the male to female the ratio would be is. would be really all thrown off, and I don't. The know, problem I is just... you're so tall it stretches out your muscles. <laughs> I mean that's really. You know I know you've said that before. If you were as short as me, you'd be like Hulk Hogan basically. But... <laughs> uh, yeah, so there's a five question diagnostic here on this uh, phrase on Cruncher 2.0. Uh, oh. The first one is Jesus mentioned. That's a yes. That's the no. kind of power you want, ladies. By the way, those biceps. Number two is mystical form. <laughs> Does the song you sing is a subject, verb, and object of sentence? <laughs> yeah. Repetition is another question. Wait, you can't make that into <laughs> no, a muscle no joke. There's no repetition here. No. <laughs> I do repetitions all day. Same thing. It just gets funnier. <laughs> If it was funny the first time, imagine how it'll be the fifth time. Yeah, brother. Uh, I don't know my my Wolfmuller School of Comedy, but I haven't had anyone enroll yet. That's what the problem is, guys. That's really unfortunate. I know. Diagnosing the, the, um, uh, how would it be? Dissecting every joke to see why it's funny. (laughs) Apparently that's one of the rules of comedy. If you if you have to explain it, it's not funny. That's so, what you do like I'll with every joke you, you say. 
I know. I see. I reject that rule. <laughs> Unconventional. Okay, mystical content. Is it immediate, romantic, loss of self, internal, subjective? Is there uh, law and gospel properly distinguished? And then number five, is there any explicit false teaching not already addressed? If you have a praise song you want us to uh, run through the cruncher, send it to us by calling 1-800-385-SOLA or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. Are you ready for the first one? Yes. Okay, uh, this was sent to us. Can't you hear me typing an email? I can, actually. And so can (laughs) all of our listeners. Indicates that I'm ready. <laughs> uh, I think this one was sent to us by our OCB. Is that correct? Uh, first our official Calvinist blogger? Yeah. Sent us Ruben? this one. Uh, uh, the Heart of Worship by Matt Redman. That's the entirety of the whole song. You just heard the whole, uh, all the lyrics at least. So you'll repeat that. Doesn't four it repeat? Or five times. Yeah, five or six times. Okay. But repeat. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the key the fr- praise word. Yeah. <laughs> praise song word. Repeat. All right. Remember that Jesus. time we were crunching the song and says repeat fourteen times? No, I don't remember that. I think you're making that. You you were probably dreaming at the about the praise song cruncher. <laughs> no, it said repeat. Yeah, now, I, how I many get, times was Ferris Bueller out of uh, Miss? Oh, nine, nine, nine times. Nine, nine, nine. Yeah, that's right. Repeat nine times. <laughs> that's right. Nine times. Nine times. <laughs> Repeat nine times. Uh, I, I, so I, I, the Eastern I, Orthodox I, Curie. <laughs> I was going to say... All these evangelicals, they go to the Eastern Orthodox Church and they're oh, it says Curie over and over again. Curie, Curie. Well, what's the difference, dear evangelical friend? The answer is there's no difference. We're going to have to check with Carrie to see if you dream about the cruncher. Um, uh, Jesus mentioned. Um, no, he's not mentioned. Uh, uh, <laughs> Jesus is mentioned repeat. in this hymn, uh, by the way. It's, <laughs> it's, it's all about you. <laughs> I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. No, I have a question. If all it, right. If it's all about Jesus, why don't they sing about him? Oh, because it's all about Jesus as the... Um, What's the difference between object and subject? Oh, I can't believe my grammar, my in- ignorance of grammar messed up my rant just then. <laughs> Jesus is the 
subject, object, object, subject. What? He's the he's the in the accusative tense in Greek. What is that? So he'd be the. In other words, he's the one being acted upon because object. look, worship is now me bringing my worship to to Jesus. I clicked on this link that you sent about how this song came about. The OCB and it's Matt Redmond's telling about how their church, yeah, the church was trying to find, the congregation was quote struggling to find meaning in its musical outpouring. What? Uh, the pastor's point was that we'd lost our way in worship, and the way to get back to the heart would be to strip everything away. So they stopped with the band, they stopped with the music, and then the pastor stood up there. When we came through the doors on Sunday, he asked, what are you bringing as your offering to God? Hmm. Quote, before long, we reintroduced the musicians with the sound system as we'd gained a new perspective that worship is all about Jesus. And, ready, he commands a response in the depths of our souls, no matter what the circumstance and, he- and setting. Hmm. Got it? Yeah. So now... This is the worship is. Here's Jesus standing there in his power, commanding you to bring him something so that worship is me bringing to Jesus something. So he is the recipient. We are the ones acting. So when it says it's all about you, Jesus, you, Pastor Gagline, think, oh, if it's all about Jesus, then Jesus is going to be doing something. No, no. It's all about Jesus because he's sitting there waiting for us to bring him stuff. Demanding our sacrifices. Whoa. Uh, wow. Um, I think it's completely ironic that uh, um, that they had to get back to the heart of worship and took away the praise band. And then this guy writes a praise song about getting back to the heart of worship. Yeah, there's about seven or eight different ironies here. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. We're there, so we got to get rid of the praise band to get back to the authenticity, and what results is this fantastically popular praise song now. And <laughs> and it's and here's the song, when the music fades and all is stripped away, and you're singing about it. <laughs> you're singing about when the music stops. And then, and then, uh, and then it's all about Jesus, but it's really not. It's all about what I'm bringing to Jesus. That's, and then you have a praise song criticizing praise songs. That is itself the the very thing which is wrong with praise songs. <laughs> Can't make this up, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Uh, I can't believe we haven't crunched this yet. No, we haven't. Because here, I mean, because the the song itself is a crunch. Now, this song, by the way, will legitimize the. Uh, the uh, what is the thing that we do here? The the this, this, this song um, legitimi- legitimizes <laughs> the the criticize the criticism of praise songs because the praise song itself is criticizing a praise song. So if a praise song <laughs> criticizes a praise song, then so can we. I want got it. I want some. We're to, just we're uh, basically just following this song, just doing what this song <laughs> tells us to do. Because I think people have gotten away from the heart of worship. Which is, by the way, Jesus. It's all about Jesus. But you know what it also is about? Because you know what Jesus is doing? You know what Jesus is interested in? He's interested in dying for your sins and giving you that forgiveness. That's what Jesus is interested in, which is why worship is just exactly that. Jesus delivering to you the objective promise that your sins are forgiven. Yeah, and now look, people, I, and I know that we are oft-times criticized for being grumpy about praise songs, but this is why. We are? Because Jesus wants with worship 
to deliver to us the certainty of the forgiveness of sins. And everything mysticism takes away that certainty that Jesus wants us to have. So it sounds like one's view of worship is directly connected to one's view of God. So if you think uh, you God, think so, yeah. God is someone who needs to be appeased, then your worship is uh, the, the view of um, appeasing that God. Um, but if your view of God is one who is uh, constantly giving, uh, uh, giving his gifts of, of uh, forgiveness and mercy and love and, and his compassion, he's giving it through these means, then, then that uh, determines, um, determines your worship. It's, it's, that, it's that old axiom. Uh, how's it go? Uh, Lex Arendi, Lex Credendi. Um, the rule of prayer is the rule of, of belief. I think there's some truth to that, maybe. Yes. we got to take a break. All right. Let's go to a commercial break. Already. And, and then we'll be <laughs> right back after this commercial break for more praise song crunching of Heart of Worship. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. In a recent survey, 98% of listeners can't stand Table Talk Radio. We would like to express our gratitude to those who did not participate in the study. And we're back on Table Talk Radio for some more praise song crunching. Hey, we are crunching. Oh, I started to crunch the song before uh, Pastor Wolfner went on a rampage. I warned you at the beginning of the show, though. You guys were fairly warned that uh, that Pastor Wolfner was going to come unhinged, and and lo and behold, um, I, I think I think I can rightly be called a prophet. Then I think it's what, what that means. I don't know. Yeah, this is a prophet. Remember when we used to play that game, Predictable Pasture? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should play that again. I like that game. Yeah, we should. Sometimes. Because you're so predictable. I, predict we'll play it I just predict that you're going to say, et cetera, et cetera, uh, marvelous, miserable. Um, I pretty much get like Had a thousand points right there. <laughs> Okay, mystical form. All right, so we were looking at the song, The Heart of Worship. We we kind of unfolded a few of the ironies. We had a little tirade, and we were all you. in. We just answered one question. It's Singular Jesus subject. I had a tirade, and then you tried to cool it back by this whole Lex Arinde, Lex Tradinde. <laughs> you can't, you, you know, Latin is not just water that douses a tirade. <laughs> it's not that simple. <laughs> all right, next okay. question. Truth, does the song use sentences of subject, verb, and object or sentence fragments? Impressions or assertions? I'll bring more than a song. For a song itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. It's all about you. I think this uses sentences. Okay. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you. You. It's all about you, Jesus, looking into my heart, searching deep, wanting more than a song. Demanding. It's all about you to demanding. Something that will bless his heart. Jesus stands there demanding something more than a song to bless his heart. Wow. Where is this little line in our Lutheran confessions that talk about the two types of worship? There is the liturgy of the law and the liturgy of the gospel. 
The liturgy of the law is what God demands, what we bring to him. The liturgy of the gospel is what God brings to us. And this is just pure liturgy of the law. Now, you say, but pastor, I thought it was mysticism. Pastor, well, mysticism I thought it was mysticism. Right. Mysticism is law. <laughs> I you think... know, but this is the trick. I've told you this trick before because the mystics do have a sense that we are passive. So the mystic, the mystic is the, the you are the vessel and you're being filled, right? That whole language of filling the vessel, of that, that language of mysticism. And then they trick us because they're like, hey, you Lutherans think that we're passive in worship, and so do we mystics. <laughs> ah, we're on to you, mystics. Cause just because we're passive doesn't mean it's not law. Sheesh. All right. <laughs> you are out right. of control. What about repetition? No. Uh, well, I guess there was the repeat nine times at the end, but the song in itself, it's all about, I'm sorry for the things that I've made it. What are, have you, by the way, made worship? When when not, when Matt Redman puts this apology into our mouths, what is he having us apologize for? Singing Apparently, song. he's made. <laughs> right now, what you're doing right now? I'm sorry for singing this song. <laughs> I apologize for this apology. Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm sorry for talking. Now, look, the the thing that I think you're apologizing for is for making it about us, because it should be about you. So we've put ourselves at the center. So, you know, the traditional critique of contemporary worship, which we don't make here, by the way, on our little show, is that it's all entertaining. Remember that? Yes. You know what? I'm on to something here. Remember how we talk about the changing contours of contemporary worship and how at first it was about the entertainment. You put the band up there and you, you know, you, 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 you have all the nice looking people in the congregation, you know, the cast of Twilight or whatever. You have them singing the songs and everyone now is, is, uh, is kind of almost sitting back. It's not really participatory, but it's more of a show and now it, it people feel comfortable because they don't have to do anything. That was the beginning of the contemporary worship music movement, but it changed. It changed from entertainment, uh, worshipainment. Is that what they called it, or did I just make that up? I've never heard that before. To really? mystainment, so? it became. Mm. You think? Mm-hmm. You think? Because remember, think... the question that they were answering at the beginning of the contemporary worship movement was accessibility. That was uh, that we need a worship service that's more accessible to people who are. The lost, although they didn't call them the lost, they called them the uh, seekers. We need a service that's more accessible to seekers. But do you think they would have? So now they would have talked about it in terms of entertainment, like you just did. Mm. Mm-hmm. Really? Because you got yeah. Because you have a because they have um you have your secular music, what you like, and we need to provide a Christian alternative. See. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, but see, but look, it takes a shift. And now, look, it's not about entertainment. They realize entertainment, this is shallow. It's not getting anywhere. It's not really worship. If it's not about entertainment, then what's it about? Well, it's about mysticism. And this song is doing that. I said, look, it's not about entertainment. It's about mysticism. You got to look into my heart. Search deeper. Deeper. (sighs) That's creepy. Anyway. (laughs) Deeper. (laughs) That's what it says. You search much deeper within... Through the way things appear. That's, I think, not the right words. But anyway, that's that's the idea. So the answer is mystical form. This comes right in the middle, slightly repetitious, but uses sentences. Five. 
Next is mystical content. Ten off the charts. <laughs> okay, uh, let's go through these. I think we're only going to get through this song to crunch, so let's just take our time with it. <laughs> immediate. Uh, There's a song talking about the immediate experience of God. Mm-hmm. Seeing, touching, feeling. Search much deeper within. You're looking into my heart. Ooh. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Ram. Romance. Oh, this is this is good. So we, now we can use the the test. Um. Uh, it's all about you, Carrie. Um. I'm coming back to the. <laughs> oh yeah. Your. How does your test go? You gotta. We we substitute the word gotta... Jesus for Carrie and see if it if the song still makes sense. <laughs> um. I'm sorry, Carrie, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you. <laughs> It's all about you. You say this on a regular basis, I bet. I know, basically. I'm sorry, Carrie. Those words right there are probably repetitious. Yes. <laughs> well, look, I mean, I'm constantly apologizing. The only to thing Carrie that Carrie and my kids and our listeners. The, the, the only thing that doesn't uh, quite make sense is uh, Carrie. You're looking into my heart. And Carrie goes, no, I'm looking at what you're doing. Look, you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, she's more objective. <laughs> I meant well. Whack! I don't care how well you meant. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, you'll so, learn these things one day. Maybe. <laughs> so I, I'll, I'll refer to your judgment then. Is this song romantic? Mm, probably... Sorry, what are you, what are you I thought you were going to talk more. I just took a bite of donut here. Oh, my goodness. Did Table Talk Radio Longing for that just donut? to bring something that... No. Longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart, that kind of thing, that's romantic language there. But, uh, and there's just some intimacy here, you know, all this heart talk. Uh, getting away from the externals to the intentionality of things. But it's not super romantic. What about loss of self? Yeah. Yeah, that's there. Um, let's see, where is it here? I, you've recorded, looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, and it's all about you, see? In other words, it's not about me. So I'm, I'm, I want to be, I want to lose myself to, to you here. Yep, so loss of self is there. Yeah, check. Uh, internal. I think we already talked about that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, subjective is a song about the things that God has done, or about me. Subjective. We talked about that too. Me. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's your uh, totally subjective. Your g- grammatical lesson right there. Objective and subjective. Okay. Um, and then, uh, so you marked a ten on the on the mystical content. Let's go to law gospel. Does the song proclaim the law in its sternness and the gospel in its sweetness? Well, there is apparently some repentance for getting worship wrong, right? I'm sorry. For the thing that I've made it. Okay. And then you're going to continue on doing... I mean, that's... <laughs> I'm going to change now, but there's no gospel for it. It's like, you forgive me for it. No, it's... But i got to switch. So now instead of making it about entertainment, I'm going to make it about mysticism. <laughs> We're going from from moralism to mysticism. We're just jumping I don't, I, would, I mean, I, I don't want to be so bold as to offer up this prayer on behalf of almost all contemporary Christian music, but I think maybe we should. <laughs> okay. A disaster. What about explicit false teaching? Mm-hmm. Um, that's interesting. Uh, when the music... I mean, I don't. It hasn't been already addressed. I think we've addressed every problem in here. 
looking into my heart. I mean, of course, we can sin, by the way, with the heart. You know that? I do know uh, that very well. So you, we have these um, we have these kind of – we got different tools that we can sin with. We can sin with our hands. We can sin with our eyes. We can sin with our mouths. We can sin with our minds, and we can sin with our heart. And it's that the heart is where the sin begins, and it's still sin, and the Lord knows it. And that's where – that's where covetousness is birthed, and it gives and you know formed, and it gives birth to uh, theft, which is the same sin just with a different instrument. Um, and lust is born in the heart, and it and it's born, in, and then it, it becomes adultery when it's acted out on. See, so so that's where so all the heart, all the sins start in the heart, and then they then they they kind of work their way out to the to the mind and lips and hands. Um, and so the Lord is certainly looks at our heart and sees our idolatry there before it manifests itself. Um, but this idea that looking into our hearts so we can now be, if we can be genuine there, that we'll be received into the Lord's favor. That's wrong. We are received through the Lord's favor in spite of our sin. In heart and mind and body, we're received into the Lord's favor by the death and resurrection of Jesus. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Oh. I can't even think of a joke. Nice. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio I got it The points are like the helpfulness to the praise band when you take away their instruments <laughs> only to give them back a month later <laughs> oh, no, You better work on that <laughs> Alright, go The points are like a praise song that's criticizing praise songs Hmm